Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. your summer been going so far? I'm curious. Have you been super busy with family, busy with friends, busy running your business, not busy at all? Um, I've seen actually a lot of people taking like every Friday off or every Monday off to go enjoy the summer and long weekends. And I'm a little jealous. I have a little FOMO. That's definitely something I want to start implementing soon. But um, I'll be honest, I thought I was going to get there this summer and I don't think that is happening. There's just like a lot brewing in my world. I've been bursting at the seams with new projects and my own creative ideas and then squeezing in time to enjoy the amazing weather as I can. Um, We've also been in the process of welcoming family back up to New England. And Jason and I, my husband, have really been like splitting ourselves between kind of different family activities that one person can go to and then the other person can go to. Um, But we do get to spend a little bit of time together and we're going to go up to Maine in August and then we have a wedding to attend in early September. So I'm looking forward to those opportunities to kind of get away. And in the meantime, there is lots happening on all the fronts. But thanks to my trusty little brain dump document, which I'm always happy to share with folks, I have been uh, clearing a little bit of the decks. And this week, I'm actually finally starting to pull ahead a little bit. And I recorded this, drum roll please, on Friday instead of on the weekend, which means that I get to spend my weekend working less and playing more, which is always good. Um, All right. In case this is your first time listening to this podcast, I'm going to share real quick who I am and what I do just so you have some context to this conversation. And also, of course, all the conversations that you're most definitely going to be sticking around to listen to after this one. As I said in the intro, I'm Emily Aborn, and in addition to being the founder and leader of She Built This, I'm also a freelance content writer, which means communication, content, All the things that you write and are written, they are my things. I love them. Um, In addition to this podcast, She Built This is also a community of women entrepreneurs. And together, we are really committed to helping one another build whatever business or dream it is that we have inside of us. So I kind of take these two passions, content and community, and together they sort of come together on this podcast where I am I am building my business alongside you and sharing stories on my own journey. Um, and I also have guests on that will help educate and inspire and encourage us. And of course, I wouldn't hate it if you laughed a little bit while listening to the podcast as well. That's like my main goal in life is to make you laugh. Um, all right, as we close out this month, the theme was for July communication. And so as we close out the month, I wanted to bring you this fascinating conversation 
around something called nonviolent communication. Now, I've been reading about this technique, this process, this framework um, in a book, and I had the opportunity to bring on today's guest so we can get a little bit more into what it is and also how it can help us improve our communication and at the end of the day, you know, really help to improve our relationships. Because the fact is, what we say matters and how we say it matters. And sometimes... Even with the best of intentions and without meaning to, we don't communicate entirely clearly or we can cause a major communication catastrophe because we speak without thinking or without getting clear inside of ourselves or we use our words in a way unintentionally that we cause harm to other individuals and our relationships. Cindy, my guest today, Cindy Zodi, is going to talk about how we can actually end up attacking others without meaning to by casting judgment, making demands, and using words that just are not feeling words. Cindy talks us through a simple framework around nonviolent communication. Uh, what that even means, like what is nonviolence when it comes to our communication, and why being nice is not enough. She's going to walk us through how this powerful paradigm shift can make really big impacts in your thinking and ripple out into your language. And if you're like me, you definitely want to be a better communicator. You just maybe don't have the tools to know how. And so I think you're going to find this interview with Cindy fascinating because she's really going to give us some of these tangible tools, these practical skills, so that we can discover how to unlock better communication for ourselves. Cindy has a master's degree in curriculum and instruction, as well as 40 plus years educating in the public schools. She's taught nonviolent communication at Cascadia Community College, Bellevue College, and University of Washington, as well as facilitating many workshops through community education. Cindy says she feels exceptionally passionate about her work because her clients always experience a positive impact and there's no greater feeling than watching someone's business or personal life grow and thrive as a result of increased connection and understanding. The work Cindy does is one of the best vehicles there is for propelling your business to the next level. So I think you are going to learn a lot in this episode and I really can't wait to hear your takeaways and ahas when it comes to your own communication. Hi Cindy and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi thank you so much for having me I'm thrilled to be here. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I always love learning new things. Um, and especially when it comes to the ways that we conduct ourselves, not just as people for our own selves, but in the world and interacting with other people and making other people's lives better as a ripple effect of making our communication better. So really excited to dive in with you. Thanks for being here. Um, before we get into kind of like the nuts and bolts of things, I'd love for you to start by telling us, I read your bio before you joined, but in your own words, like who you are, what you do, um, and how you really got to where you are today. Yes. Well, gosh, after decades of teaching elementary music, um, I sort of stumbled upon a friend introduced me to nonviolent communication and it just 
I took to it so quickly because, you know, as a lot of people, I've struggled with communication in my life and done all the wrong things and <laughs> try as I may. And turns out just being nice is not <laughs> necessarily sufficient. So um, after the minute I learned about it, I just wanted to continue learning more about it. And after a couple of years, I started teaching it. And it's just been such a game changer for me in my life personally, as far as how I interact with people and, and also in my profession in helping others, um, just learning how to really, it's basic communication 101 that no one gets. And so it's just been completely transformative for me in terms of not if, but when I have difficult conversations coming up, I don't have to fret and worry and fret and worry, oh, how am I going to handle this? Now I have a language and a methodology for dealing with those things. And I love teaching it to other people um, in, from individuals to corporations. It's just uh, fascinating to me how, how simple it is, yet how powerful. So, um, so yeah. Before, yeah. So before we get into really like what nonviolence means, because I want to go there next, but um, when you said you struggled and did all the wrong things and being nice wasn't enough, where, <laughs> I guess, what are some examples of that? So that like, you know, the listeners can hear, okay, actually that's something that I do in my everyday world that maybe is not the best communication form. Yes. Yes. Well, one of the main things is I didn't have even a basic language of feelings. I mean, I know the words for feelings, but we're not taught how to use feeling words. We're taught instead to use the judgments of the, like, I feel abandoned. I feel cheated. I feel dumped on, harassed, ignored. And so I used all those words. I feel unwanted, unneeded, unappreciated, you know, all I used all those words. And I think I was sort of attacking without meaning to, and, you know, again, making a request is, is not just a matter of asking nicely. Oh, will you please, you know, it's a matter of, are you willing to hear a no? And I know for a fact, many times when I thought I was making a request, it was not a request at all because I fully expected the person to say yes. So that's what I mean. Oh, that is so interesting. Have you read Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart? I'm, I'm almost like a hundred percent sure this would be up your alley. Yes. I'm in process of reading that right now. Yeah. I love you. You, you really hit the nail on the head when you said we're not given the language and I know we're going to get into this more, but we're not given the language to describe our feelings and, and not just simple feelings like sad, angry, you know, tired. Um, but really some of those more in-depth feelings or like just knowing that there's such a broad spectrum of feelings. I love that we're now going to kind of shift into like what nonviolence really means and how it doesn't mean like saying I feel belittled or I feel judged or I feel threatened. Right. Um, so let's talk about that. So what is nonviolence? What does that mean when it comes to our communication? Like how can communication be violent? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a good question. And I really appreciate the question. And even Marshall Rosenberg that came up with nonviolent communication didn't like the, the name of it. So often it's referenced as compassionate communication instead of nonviolent. But the nonviolence refers to the violence that we often put upon ourselves internally. So like when we do something we wish we hadn't done, say something we wish we hadn't said, and we, then we beat ourselves up. Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, why did I do that? I just, and I again, or why didn't I do that? Why didn't I? You know, all the the self-criticism that goes on is very violent. And then we take that, of course, into our relationships and into all our other um, relationships. So whether it be at work or home, 
and and we criticize and blame and judge and well you this you that you always you never that's very violent even the word should is considered violent in from a nonviolent communication lens oh yeah so okay so what are some other words that might be considered uh violent besides should and never <laughs> and always right um need to have to Marshall said he would prefer people do things from a spirit of giving and wanting to, right? Whenever we do comply with a request, for example, out of fear of retribution or um, the person's going to be mad at us or something bad's going to happen, it never goes well for either party. And oh man, that's another example of how I lived my life. I did many things that I didn't want to do, wish I hadn't done, and resented later instead of really assessing, okay, how is this going to impact me? How am I feeling about this? And what are my needs in this request or in this moment? Do you think that you did those things? And and I hear this a lot is people don't want to feel selfish. Um, So do you think you did those things because you didn't want to come across as appearing selfish? Or do you think that there was something else under that? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And especially in my generation, you know, you were not supposed to think about yourself and never mind, you were never supposed to have needs. Oh, you, God forbid you would have any needs and you would be needy. You know, everyone also always, I think we as women in general, put everyone before ourselves, the family work, whatever it is, we're last on the totem pole, which is kind of backwards. (laughs) I've learned. (laughs) Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, I think that is so often the thing that holds me back from saying what I really want or need, uh, yeah, maybe there's a difference between want and need. So let's get into that in a second, but, um, it's just feeling like, oh, I don't want to put somebody else out or I don't want to make this about me or feel selfish. So, yes. Um, okay. So I really believe that I, I really believe with one of the, one of the concepts I've been reading about around nonviolent communication is that language has the power to make us feel connected or disconnected. Um, And so I'm curious to hear what kind of things are more connective when we're using communication and what kinds of things disconnect us in language? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think sadly, too often, the, the general mode of communication is disconnecting. And a lot of those words that I used earlier are disconnecting because they're evaluative words. I feel misunderstood. I feel neglected. Even I feel disrespected. All those are disconnecting words from yourself and from others. Can you get into that more? And like what the, I guess what the opposite of that would be, like what would be a more connective approach? Sure. Well, again, the basic MBC, um, format of observation, feeling, needs, requests is definitely more connecting. Let me give you an example. Um, I had a student once, eight-year-old Mateo, darling child, who was really wanting attention, of course, only child, from his parent, particularly the father. And so he had been nagging him, nagging him, as children do. Um, Dad, you're always on the computer to, you know, no avail. But we started talking about NBC. And so he went home and he used the language, observation, Dad, when I see you on the computer after dinner until I go to bed, feeling, I feel sad, lonely, and um, needs because I'm needing your attention and time with you. Request, would you be willing to spend 30 minutes with no electronical devices with me on Saturday or Sunday? 
Okay. Message. Okay. So this is the framework here is observation, feeling, need, request. So just because that's how you connect, you own your first, you make an observation without evaluation, right? When I see you on the computer, I feel I need because I'm needing you own. That's how you connect is that you own it. You don't put it on the other person. Yeah. Let's walk through each one. So observation versus judgment, like tell me what observation looks like versus when we're in judgment. And we can just use the same scenario of Mateo. Um, Yeah. Um, So observation might be something that you would see on a video camera or, and, or your five senses. So not putting your opinion on it or your background and any certainly intonation in your voice. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, that's hard, (laughs) right? It is really hard to make a straight up observation. It's, it's amazing. I I once did a class and we did a whole week on each of those, you know, a week on observations, a week on feelings, a week on needs, because it's so simple in theory, but it really does um, require a paradigm shift in our thinking and in our language, what we say so matters. And And then. And then what's the difference between feelings versus evaluation? Yeah. So feelings are all those words that describe how we actually feel, like you said, beyond sad, mad, happy, you know, anxious, agitated, um, unnerved, skeptical, carefree, cheerful, comfortable, all those words we know, but we don't use in our daily language to describe how we feel versus the the evaluative words, overpowered, unworthy, untrusted. Trick. So re- yeah. So really the difference is like how you feel, not what you think the other person is making you feel. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yes. This is like, I think this could come in h- handy for a lot of, um, partner relationships too, you know, because how often do we say like, you always make me feel like, (laughs) yeah, well, I did a couples class once and on the share out at the end, one of the gentlemen said his takeaway was this takes away the argument. You can't argue with someone's feelings and needs. I said, Hey, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) And then, yeah. So what's the difference between needs versus I think what, what they compare and contrast it to is strategies. Like what is a strat is a strategy saying should, Uh, strategy references what they want you to do. Like, I need you to be nicer. I need you to clean your room. I need you to be more affectionate. Okay. And then how does that different from needs? Well, needs would be, I'm needing comfort. I'm needing care. I'm needing closeness. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, and then what are the difference? What's the difference between requests versus demands? Oh my gosh. And request reminds me of observation because it sounds so simple, right? But from an NBC lens, a request is something that you're, when you make it, you need to assess whether you're okay with hearing a no, which, oh my gosh, I find myself making more demands than requests, <laughs> honestly. So I love the verbiage, would you be willing to, right? Yeah. So what, what is the, what is the demand, I guess? Well, demand again can be really nice. Honey, would you take the garbage out? Which oh, yeah. Right. I really want you to do this. I need you to do this. And if you don't do this, there's probably going to be some retribution. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this. So when you're, first of all, in your experience, have mm-hmm. you found this communication style to be clunky in practice at all? And do you kind of have to get the buy-in or the consent of the person that you're communicating with, or can you do this 
truly on your own and apply it to conversation and communication without the other person knowing what you're doing? Gosh, those are all really good questions. And I'm going to try to remember all three of them, basically, in regards to the first clunky. Yes. When I first started learning, I had that format in my car on my driver's or passenger side with the feelings list so that I could consult it daily, multiple times daily, so that not if I, but when I would use the evaluative words, I would shift it to, okay, what am I feeling? What's the feeling? So yes, very clunky. We call it the tricycle. So, you know, and I'm okay with that because it's the payoff is so worth it, right? So yes, clunky at first, but the more you do it, the more it becomes more natural to think, okay, what am I feeling? What, you know, evaluate. So that part. Now it's obviously ideal if the person you're communicating with buys into it. However, it is valuable even if they don't, because I have found that even I will use it, even if I know, or 99% know the other person is not gonna, is not buying into it because I stay in my integrity. I'm not using the quote violent language. I, I get to truly communicate myself and let go of the outcome. So you absolutely can practice on your own. Absolutely. Do you think it's shifted some of the ways that you communicate with yourself and, and feel like even maybe a reduction in like self-judgment? Oh, without question, without question. Um, and I use, I do use for myself, a combination of NBC and, and a, another modality uh, IFS, which is internal family systems. And be, the two of them are magical, uh, just in terms of self healing and self understanding and compassion to self and different, you know, IFS references the different parts of ourselves, like the critic, the guilt, the shame, all the, all the parts that most people can relate to. <laughs> so, that's another podcast. <laughs> so what are some, like, what do you think are some really tangible shifts, um, that one can expect to experience when they start to change their communication like this? Oh gosh. Or maybe, maybe it's not tangible. Maybe they're intangible. I didn't mean to put it in a box. Sorry. No, well, it's absolutely visceral. Um, I'm not sure if that's tangible or not. I notice, I've just noticed a huge shift internally in myself that I feel so much more at ease inside myself. And therefore, again, that affects all my relationships, both personally and professionally. And it has affected those as well, hugely in that I just, I don't have arguments. Like the, the gentleman said at my couple's class, I don't, I don't feel so badly about myself. And, and even when I do it quote wrong or say it wrong, <clears throat> which is, I have so many less regrets. That's one of the main things I can tell you, but when I do slip, I, they're in NBC, it's not just used for conflict, but you can use it for regret. You can go back and say, again, using the observation, feeling these requests, you know, when I said that we had that conversation, I really felt uncomfortable with how that went down because it did not meet my need for integrity. Would you be willing to hash out that conversation again at some point? Right. So even when dot, dot, dot. I fall short. It, there's a way through NBC back to myself, back to I, connection. I was just, just about to ask you like, okay, let's talk about apologies. Cause yes. Um, yes. I imagine this would help you have to make less of those apologies. And Ooh. I love that you kind of gave us the language around how to maybe make an apology. Oh, it's so much 
more powerful for me than just saying, I'm sorry. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm sorry is all you need. You don't always have to, but, but more often than not, I love having this language that I can go through and own it fully t- sharing my feelings. And again, that creates a sense of connection with the other person, much more so than just, I'm sorry. It lets them know how I felt, what needs I didn't meet of my own. And, and, you know, it's, it's a whole nother conversation, so to speak. Do you find most people to be receptive to this? I do. I absolutely do. Although sometimes there is some pushback to the, um, the thoughts instead of feelings, because we've used those words so long that, for example, when I was teaching at the University of Washington, some of the graduate students were saying, well, no, I feel disrespected. And so there is some pushback sometimes. And, and what I would say to that is when you think you're being disrespected, how do you, what are the feelings associated? Cause the need of course is for respect, mm-hmm. so, but most people, most people are receptive unless they're really closed off or they have big walls, you know, and they can't be vulnerable, allow themselves vulnerability. So sometimes it's problematic in that way, but. So let's just walk through it one more time, just so it, we can like kind of cement it in our brains, but also mm-hmm. get another, just like hear it again. So sure. go. So yeah, I'll let you do it. Cause I'm good. I have it, <laughs> I have it written down, but I'm not the expert. <laughs> Sure. Do you mean the process, the observation, feeling needs requests? Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, I can give another example because these happen all the time. I'm sure you can think of probably recently conversations that you've had that didn't go well, that for one reason or the other, I'll, I'll use it as an, and okay. then you can, and then you can tackle it. So we yeah. were supposed yeah. to go out to dinner with a friend and I came downstairs when I found out that my friend was going to be in town. And I said to my husband, this is what I said. Hey, no pressure, but I'd really love to get together with Joe tonight. Um, what time can you be done with work or something like along those lines? Uh-huh. And when I said no pressure, he literally took that as like, oh, she can just go by herself. But what I didn't say was like, I really would like for you to be there. Oh, <laughs> so okay. it was this whole thing because then I walked away feeling like, well, he doesn't want to come, you know, like he doesn't want to go with me. He doesn't want to get together with this person. And all of that jazz. So we did hash it out with, um, feelings and needs, Good. but it took, it took a while. I'll say it took 24 hours just to, oh. to, to shoot perfectly straight. Oh gosh. Well, it sounds like you weren't clear in, in maybe in, in yourself or at least with, with him about what your you know, was not a clear request. Right. Right. But so, yeah, so I guess using that as your example, like how would you come at that from observation, feeling, need, request? Now, are you talking about initially or after the fact? I think initially would be, yeah. Okay, so yeah, the observation would be my friend Joe is in and I'm feeling excited about meeting with him. You to go with me if you'd be interested in going. So my, my request is, to let me know if you'd be interested in going. And that's my preference that you join us. And it's okay if you don't, if in fact it is okay. <laughs> okay. And then you have to be okay with the person saying, no, that is Correct. not, that is not my desire. I do not wish Correct. to do that. And that's the hard part. That is, can be really hard. Um, but if we, if we truly value the other person, and particularly in this case, your partner, um, their needs, we, you know, we're okay with that. It's not our first choice and we really wish they would. And sometimes he might say, well, gosh, I'm really kind of lukewarm on going, but if it's a big deal to you, like eight out of 10 that I attend, 
I'd be willing to do that because I want to meet your need, even though it's not necessarily high on my needs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of partnership in many cases is doing things that are filling the other person's wants and needs, even though sometimes it might not be a 10 for us. <laughs> right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. All right. Here's a question I imagine you have never, maybe I shouldn't say never, um, but I bet you have not been asked at least often. Do you think that there is a way to apply the principles of nonviolent communication to our marketing, to our writing, to the content that we are putting out there for our audience and our customers to consume? Oh, absolutely. Um, again, um, see, I can't, I don't think I referenced my friend, uh, Dr. Aaron Gibson did research um, on NBC and business and uh, it showed clearly businesses that utilize MVC far outperform those who don't. So in, in marketing, behavior is needs driven, right? So when people feel their needs are being addressed, so you have this kind of language, um, they, they act on that. So you are going to attract business in marketing. I find it invaluable. And I'm not sure in writing, if you mean writing Tell me what type genre of writing you're referencing. Yeah, no, I was specifically, I think, speaking mostly to writing that would be related to marketing. So, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, what I'm always preaching about is how we need to understand what our people are struggling with and trying to, what they're feeling. Um, yeah. and, and so I think that speaks right to that. It's just like really understanding what their needs and wants are. It doesn't need to be a need. Like if you're selling chocolate, it's not a need, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a want, but you can still, you can still speak directly to that want. Absolutely. Um, and I think it does make your marketing and your messaging so much more powerful. So oh, I would highly recommend it. In fact, in the corporations I have done work with, um, it's been really, um, powerful to see them morphing from really unclear and vague and sometimes criticizing each other to actually connecting and going, oh, I didn't, and clarifying, right? That clear request, you know, from simple thing like just identifying the pain points in a business to, okay, how can we, how can we move from here and start connecting more? Right. And using NBC is such, just an invaluable tool in that way. And of course, it looks different in business a little than in personal relationships, but, but the basics are the same. And, and, and yeah. then my request is that you would give me your money <laughs> <laughs> rather than demand it. <laughs> right. Well, they come to that because they feel so heard, you know, and, and even as far as workforce retention, you know, people that feel like they're listened to and respected by their employers and our managers are going to want to stay there, right? Where they feel heard. I mean, that's super important, whether it's customers, workforce, anyone, partner, right? Feeling heard, really being able to flush out what is it they're needing? Because the need is what the feelings, what causes the feelings. So the needs are the really meat and potatoes of the, of the three. Okay. So I think you kind of led me to a question I wasn't going to ask you, but was there, was there a question that I did not ask that you wished I'd asked you? I guess I just really want listeners to know and believe that there is a way to communicate more clearly because it's such a sore topic that so many people struggle with and everyone pretty much universally agrees how important communication is and yet we don't know how so I guess I just want to really encourage people to even just watch a podcast 
of mm-hmm. Marshall Rosenberg's introduction to NBC, because though it, it is difficult to change, like you said, that this is a bit clunky at first, because it's such a change from how we have been taught to. But, you know, I didn't learn it till fairly late in life, and I'm well established in my patterns. <laughs> and, and I just really have taken to it because it's just such a gentler, kinder, and can be very passionate and clear, uh, effective way of communicating. It's like so worth the time and energy to investigate and learn. Yeah. And I think one, you know, if I had to give like two tips, I guess it would just be like, stay open-minded in, in it. Like if it is a little bit clunky or bumpy at the beginning, that's okay. Stay open-minded to it as a tool. And the other thing is just, I think that it does require a level of self-awareness no, no matter what. So that means for all of the busy running a mile a minute listeners that we need to take a minute and pause and slow down before speaking, before acting, before reacting. Yes. In fact, I took a, I taught a class on power of the pause. So yes, you're absolutely right. Taking, taking that time. And and again, after a while, it does become more natural and, and it doesn't take as long, but in the end, it does save time when you consider all of the mishaps mm. and right. That happen when we don't communicate clearly and compassionately in this way, right. It can take much longer to fix problems that occur versus having this language and ability to communicate clearly. I definitely need to learn and implement the power of the pause more. It's so, you know, it's, it's funny that that space can be really uncomfortable, but that space is where so much good stuff happens internally. And like you said, um, not having mishaps. True, true, very true. And it took me a minute to, to develop that pause. So be patient and compassionate with yourself while you're developing that is what I would say knowing, yes, it's going to take what it takes and it's worth it. Yeah. Cindy, thank you so much. Um, so if people were like interested in working with you, what, what does that look like and how would they find and connect with you to do that? Um, yes, I have website, Cynthia Zodi consulting, um, and you can email me or, um, access my information there. And I'd be happy to do you know, I do a 30 minute um, complimentary consultation um, for anyone interested in working with me. And I would love to hear from anyone who's feeling motivated to uh, learn more about NBC. Awesome. And I think, you know, especially for somebody that's in a leadership position, this could be really, really powerful in making change throughout the organization. So um, I'll make sure that link is in the show notes and I super appreciate your time and you walking us through this and helping us to reimagine all the possibility in, in a new level of communication with one another. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed being here. Thanks, Cindy. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.